Hi, this is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo. The name of the show is Across the Pond. Thanks for joining us. We're, we call it Across the Pond because we're, we're over here on the east coast of the United States, uh, right outside of Philadelphia, uh, where we record. And we talk every week about red-letter Christianity. And if you haven't heard that yet, it's the uh, uh, referring to the old Bibles that have the words of Jesus highlighted in red. And we're going, what, what if Jesus really meant the stuff he said? What if he meant that we're to sell what we have and give it to the poor and not to worry about tomorrow? What if Jesus meant that we're to love our enemies and, and uh, bless the poor and the peacemakers and the meek? And the, 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 as you look at the things Jesus said, they're the antithesis of a lot of the things that we've come to uh, strive for in our world. So uh, that's what we're talking about, Jesus and justice. Thanks for joining us. And uh, I get to do it every week with my friend Tony Campolo. So we're talking this week uh, about kind of a little bit of everything. Huh? A little bit of everything. <laughs> Let's start off with what you're doing. Uh, you're part of the CCDA. Uh, that's uh, uh, the Christian Community Development Association. Yeah. And they meet every year. And how many people come to this gathering? Thousands. It's, it's uh, as, as far as I uh, know, it's the largest uh, association of faith-based nonprofits. So basically folks that are doing incredible community development with their feet on the ground all over this country, thousands of us. Uh, so we'll have our annual gathering. There's a lot of regional stuff. There's even some international stuff that's happening around the world, but we're gathering uh, in Texas uh, here, and uh, there'll be all kinds of great people together. I think you should note, you people in the United Kingdom, that uh, the uh, American people are very into faith-based programs. That is, uh, programs uh, sponsored by Christian organizations to feed the hungry, to stand up for justice on behalf of the oppressed, uh, to bring about social change that will make uh, our country more and more like the United States of America. I was on a television show one day and happened to point out that of the 20 industrialized nations, the United States is dead last in appropriating money for needy countries, dead last from our national budget. Mm. We're in last place when we look at our national budget and say, how much of our federal budget ends up being used to help poor people around the world? Mm -hmm. Dead last by far. Uh, Norway is number one. Having said that, if you add to that figure the amount of money that is contributed by American Christians to support programs as run by groups like the Christian Community Development Association, these voluntary organizations, these faith-based organizations that are doing good work, wonderful work, loving work for the needy people, not only in the United States, but around the world, we move from last place to first place by far. Mm. So much money, so much effort, so much organizational work takes place on a voluntary basis here in the United States that we put all the rest of the nations of the world to shame when it comes to this sort of thing. And when we think about even what it looks like to be Christian, one of the things that we're, we're very uh, convinced of is that Christianity is not just about a belief system, but it's about embodying 
incarnating God's love. And so you got to kind of have your feet on the ground. The thing that I like about CCDA is it is people who are working in like real neighborhoods that feel called to those places. And they're doing everything from affordable housing to community gardens, painting murals, helping kids with homework. But there's a, a sense in CCDA as, as a, the founder, John Perkins, uh, Dr. Perkins, who he says, uh, we're, we've all heard it said, if you give someone a fish, they'll eat for a day. If you teach them to fish, they'll eat for the rest of their life. But we also have to ask, who owns the pond? And if we don't ask who owns the pond, then we're still kind of scratching at the surface of it. So there's this idea that we really need to restore our neighborhoods holistically. Um, and that means people need Jesus, and they also need a job. And so we're caring for people's spirits, but also caring for their bodies and for their communities and their neighborhoods. Uh Shane is a graduate of Eastern University. I have taught at Eastern University for more years than you want to hear about. Having said that, there was a program when I was an active faculty member uh, that was high gear around here. It was creating a new kind of missionary, a missionary who would go to developing countries, go into poor slum areas, boreos in developing countries, and start small businesses and cottage industries that people could own and run themselves. We had a particular philosophy. We said there's three stages of mission work. The first stage is when we send out missionaries to win converts and establish churches, Mm. stage number one. We came to the point where we realized uh, that, hey, uh, indigenous people, native people, could preach the gospel better than the uh, person coming in from overseas from another country. Uh, why, uh, Why have somebody from America preach the gospel in Santo Domingo when we've got a Hispanic Santo Domingo Christian who can do it better than we can do it. So we shifted away from that. That freed up missionaries for the next stage of missions in which we started schools and hospitals and agricultural programs. And uh, uh, that was a second stage. We came in as auxiliary workers for the church. Now that stage is coming to an end mm. because almost every developing country in the world has put into place a high-grade university in which they're developing their own teachers, their own doctors, their own nurses, their own agriculturalists. So there's no need for us to do what we were doing just 30 years ago, which frees us up for this last stage. And that's what Eastern is going to endeavor to do next year. We're going to reinstitute our economic development program, and we're recruiting people around the world to come and study with us here at Eastern and teach them how to go into a slum like City Soleil in Haiti or Guachapita in the Dominican Republic and gather people together and start small businesses and cottage industries that these indigenous people can own and run themselves. Mm. It can be done. One of, one of the things that we talk about in uh, Christian community development is that restoring a neighborhood takes three groups of people working together. It takes remainers, returners, and relocators. Whoa, that's, what Dr. that's Perkins very good. Said. So the remainers are the indigenous folks. And we often think of like missional work as outsiders coming in, but the, actually it's the insiders that hold the keys and, and so much of the wisdom. So the remainers and then the returners are folks that maybe grew up in that neighborhood and didn't forget where they came from. So they go and acquire skills and gifts and they, and they bring them back to the community uh, that may still be economically struggling. And then the last is returners uh, or uh, uh, relocators, people like me from outside that come in. So remainers, returners, relocators. And we have all those in our community, you know, in North Philadelphia, we're all kind of working together out of our social location and our background, bringing who we are to the table. 
But now, you know, as you talk about economics, it, it's hard to think about, like, as, as we say every morning, we're praying that God's kingdom would come on our block as it is in heaven. So on in our neighborhood, and yet you look at our neighborhood and the second largest source of income in North Philadelphia is heroin. And first is public assistance. You go, boy, you know, this is, this is something that if we're going to tell kids not to deal drugs on the corner, we've got to create another alternative for them. And these micro businesses are awesome. One of the things that we're going to be um, um, doing with Red Letter Christians uh, in the next month or so is announcing the Red Letter marketplace, right? Where you can see all these cottage industries around the world. And here's just a couple of them. One, uh, one of our friends um, is uh, found that they can make stuff out of trash, basically. You know, so I've got this whole like belt and uh, my wife has a purse that are made out of those Capri Sun containers, right? Yeah, yeah I got you. <laughs> and some of these are like, the, these things are made in places like Bangkok where they really need the jobs there. So they're making jewelry out of trash and old newspapers. Um, we've got a, one business in, the, in Appalachia here in the hills where they found that they could, they could use the old, um, uh, uh, the, the old uh, signs used in campaigns, in political campaigns, to make solar panels. So they're making solar panels out of these old Whoa. political campaign signs. And then they're, my friends in Texas, they're making compost. They get all of the, tr- you know, the thrown out food and they have this really high tech composter and they're able to sell compost to community gardens, you know, uh, through this deal. So all those little micro businesses, we've got some that Thistle Farms in the U.S., Becca Stevens and others, she's been on our show, oh, yes. where they've rescued women out of uh, sex trafficking and exploitation. And now they're making incredible products, soaps and lotions and candles and stuff. So there's groups like that that we want to just create a hub where people can see all of this creative stuff. And of course, we're making, you know, uh, garden tools out of guns. So there's all kinds of creative projects. So you'll see that uh, on redletterchristians.org. You'll see our new marketplace. Um, and it's, you know, not, not, uh, in a, it could, just a coincidence that it's around the time where folks are looking for gifts for Christmas. There but we always go. say you don't have to buy stuff for people who have everything, but if you're going to, go to the Red Letter Marketplace. Let me uh, say that uh, this creating small businesses uh, that help people out of uh, negative lifestyles, uh, Youth with a Mission, you've heard of that group. Yeah. I'll bet most of our listeners over in the United Kingdom have heard of Youth with a Mission, commonly referred to as YWAM, Mm. Youth with a Mission. They have a major operation in the red light light district of Amsterdam. Mm. I don't know. Have you ever been to their their place? Yeah. I mean, it's the red light district of of, uh, Amsterdam is the worst place that I've ever seen for the selling of human flesh. It may be going on in Thailand and other places, but it's not so blatantly obvious as it is in the Red Letter District of Amsterdam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to speak to their staff and uh, other people who were into sex trafficking, uh, and they were holding the meeting at the YWAM offices. So I go in there, and there are about 50 people who are into working with people coming out of prostitution. And I'm trying to deliver my talk, and every five minutes the phone would ring. And it was very disturbing because the phone was right there in the room with me. You know, why couldn't they answer another phone someplace else, and then the phone would ring and somebody would leave. I said, what's going on around here? Mm. Well, what went on 
is the sex workers uh, in the red light district are only given a half hour off for lunch, just a half hour off. There's no place to eat in this district, so they're hungry. Well, what the YWAM people were doing was producing soup, mm. and they were selling soup uh, to these uh, prostitutes. So the minute the woman was, who was uh, in the sex trade uh, was given a, her half-hour break, she would immediately call YWAM. Somebody would come over with soup. She would eat the soup, and the YWAM worker would sit there with her and talk to her about Jesus, mm. talk to the prostitute about getting out of this life and committing herself to Jesus. And, and, and these women often feel trapped. They said, we don't have any place to go. And the YWAM people would say, hey, don't say that. You can come and live with us. Move into our headquarters. We've got a room for you, and you don't have to live here. But we'll give you a place to live. Mm. You say, but I'll have no job. Oh, no. We'll give you a job making soup. So you get people from Romania, and they start making Romanian soup. People from Bulgarian making mm. Bulgarian soup. People from, the, from Russia making Russian soup. And they start marketing this stuff all over uh, all over Amsterdam, and the supermarkets now are carrying the soup in addition to the... So this micro-business uh, has, in fact, mm. created incredible employment on the one hand, but secondly, it has produced something that is producing good food mm. at a low price for people throughout the city of Amsterdam, all in the name of Jesus. When we say uh, community, Christian community development, we're talking about this sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, so, you know, what, sometimes people ask the question, uh, uh, especially as we think internationally, like, well, you know, is, is uh, economic development and, or healthcare, are these the job of the church or are these the job of the government? And um, it's like this endless debate we've had for decades over it, right? What do you say now when people say that? Well, you know, the thing is, a big issue right now uh, is the uh, Republican Party. I don't want to put down a political party. But the Republican Party right now is working hard to undo what we call the Affordable Health Care Act, commonly referred to as Obamacare. Uh, When President Obama was in office, he put together a program where the government would help poor people to get medical services. Now, people in the United Kingdom, people in Canada, people in all the countries of Europe wouldn't know what we're talking about because the idea that people can't afford to go to the hospital when they're sick uh, is, is unthinkable. They're saying, are you suggesting that if somebody shows up at the hospital and they're really sick, almost on the verge of death, that the hospital might turn them away? I can give you instance after instance where that has happened. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, there is a hospital in Los Angeles when people couldn't pay their hospital bills, would take homeless people, since we're very interested in homeless, who couldn't pay their bill, would treat them for two days, which they were obligated to do according to law, and when they were finished, no matter how sick they were, would put them in an ambulance, drive into the slums of Los Angeles, and dump them on the street Mm. sidewalk. Mm. So there are hundreds of people on the sidewalk who should have been in hospitals. And Obama tried to do away with this with a a universal health care program. Well, when we start talking about uh, this kind of thing, they say, well, this is not the responsibility of the government to provide health care. Uh, I'll tell you what it's really up to. It's up to the church to do these things. You've heard that line. Yeah, yeah. The church, I said, well, they estimate that this medical program to take care of poor people in the United States would cost something like 
uh, a half a trillion dollars a year. Uh, can the church come up with that much money? The answer is no, but it should. I know what the church should do, but it's not yeah. doing it. And we ask the government to do what needs to be done. We can't allow people to die on the streets. Well, I even heard someone uh, recently say that the, the border crisis is actually a crisis of the church along the border, that if the churches were just taking in more immigrants, uh, the government wouldn't have to worry about this. And you're like, really? Yeah. <laughs> 12 million. The, the whole crisis at the U.S. border is created. Let me say this. It's going to sound shocking, but it's, it's totally true. The crisis at the U.S. border and not allowing people from Central America to come into the United States, uh, barring uh, uh, immigrants who aren't legally immigrants, all of this crisis has been created by the United States itself. Check out where they're coming from. They're coming from Nicaragua, from Honduras, from El Salvador. And why are they coming? Because gangsters are ruling the streets in those countries. And they're, you know, they, they, they're threatened with death. Uh, their daughters are shoved into prostitution. And these young women are told, if you don't do what we tell you to do sexually, we're going to kill your family. This is the kind of thing that goes on, yeah. not a little bit, may it massively. Why is this going on in these countries? In every case, check it out historically. Within the last 50 years, the United States, in conjunction with its the CIA, you know, our spying organization, has destabilized these governments, staged coups that have overthrown legally elected presidents, created political chaos, and in the political chaos, these gangs have begun to do the terrible things they're doing. These drug pushers are doing what they're doing because the government is powerless. The government is reduced to nothing because the United States took away the legally established government, and all these crooks now have taken over, in many cases, these countries. Mm. That's a strong statement. If we get sued on this, I have enough... <laughs> I have enough facts and enough figures to justify everything I just said. And we have good lawyers. Uh, and, thanks and, for joining us. Hey, this is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo. Uh, the name of the show is Across the Pond. And if you haven't checked out our website, you can go to redletterchristians.org. Uh, you can see, if you tap on the people page, you'll see all kinds of uh, incredible authors and speakers and books you can get. Uh, you, you can also go to uh, a section where we have a little pledge, a covenant that we make uh, of really what it looks like to commit our lives to Jesus and justice. So if you haven't done it, um, go to the website, redletterchristians.org. And thanks for, for joining us. We get to keep talking today, Tony Campolo and I, about uh, the way of Jesus in the world today. So what does it look like if we, if we really took Jesus at his word and said, uh, this is not just a belief system, but a way of living? And, and what can I do to be more faithful to that way of life? Now, you've been uh, very active in your neighborhood uh, with urban farming. I mean, whoever heard of farming in the heart of Philadelphia, in perhaps the worst section of Philadelphia— uh, the Kensington area of Philadelphia. Kensington in Philadelphia is not like Kensington in London. A little different. <laughs> Do you yeah. remember the first time you went to Kensington Absolutely, in London yeah. and say, hey, this is named after the place where I live? No relationship. It's a, it's a terrible place. Well, I love it. It's my it's my home. And well, I, I tell think us what e economically there's plenty of struggles, but neighborhoods that are economically poor 
are often community rich. And that's why I'm so proud to call my neighborhood home is because people come together. It's how they've survived. So like right now, we're interrupt. Yeah. Tell them what happened when there was this massive fire and people lost their homes. Yeah. And the Red Cross came in uh, to offer tents for people to live in as temporary housing. Tell yeah, them what so, happened. So we had a, a huge fire that, that um, incidentally started in one of the city-owned abandoned factories. We've got uh, 700 abandoned factories, 20,000 abandoned houses. Uh, so my neighbor says our, neighbor is po- our neighborhood's poised for resurrection. But one of those abandoned factories caught on fire, and it um, burnt down our whole block. It's as big as we can have a fire. It's what we call a seven-alarm fire. So seven different uh, fire departments responded, and um, 100 houses were affected by this fire. So it burnt literally blocks down. And, um, And so the Red Cross had set up a shelter, and they came by just a few hours later, and they said, listen, you gotta hear what happened. We didn't have anybody that stayed in the shelter because everybody in your neighborhood opened their homes up to each other. And they said literally one family became the pet shelter for all the pets. Another you know, family started cooking for everybody. People started taking each other in. And that's how we, that's how we rolled. You know? and, and over the last 10 years, we've rebuilt that whole block. We're building a community center with our friends now there. We've built a park. So, but we are doing urban farming. And part of what happened was when, when all the concrete burnt down, we thought, well, instead of just building more buildings, let's free up the, the ground and the earth again. So we started creating these parks. And I have to say, we found, we saw our first cardinals, our first red birds, cardinals in our neighborhood that I've ever seen in 20 years. And we this year planted milkweed, which is the only food source for monarch butterflies. And we saw our first monarch, monarch butterflies. And some of my friends will say, well, what does any of this have to do with like Christianity? And I say everything in the world, like one of my favorite days was when one of the kids came down and he, he drug me down the block. He was so excited to show me his first firefly, first lightning bug, you know, and he goes, what is that? And um, I said, that was a great day for God. God was like, I'm going to make a bug that's butt glows in the dark. You know, yeah. so I, I think all of this is about restoring our wonder with creation and caring for the earth, resurrecting the abandoned space of the urban city. Like all of this is like, it's holy work. And we, we, uh, we like to say we're trying to bring God's dream from the Garden of Eden to Kensington, to North well, Philadelphia. Well, it's an interesting story in that you took over this lot where this factory once was and cleaned it up and uh, uh, took all the rubble away. And then you got the people in the neighborhood to start planting gardens in there and food yeah. was growing. And then the city reacted by sending you a bill. Tell us about yeah. yeah. So there were a number of things that when the scripture says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, I think that's exactly what we saw. So what ended up happening was the city, um, a few days after the fire, I mean, like literally the embers are still smoking. And they said, your your houses are a, a public safety hazard. So you have a week to get, you know, to get a bulldozer and take care of it. <laughs> and if you don't, you'll be fine. So literally... We ended up being fined some many of us ten thousand yeah. dollars for uh, not having a bulldozer to tear our houses down. This is after a city-owned factory burnt our house down. But you literally see how someone can become homeless yeah. out of no fault of their own. 
my neighbor went to get another house and they told her that she had a $10,000 lien on her old property. So, um, yeah, this is, this is exactly the work we're doing, trying but, to restore cities. But in the end, the word got out and all the good things you were doing in the neighborhood, and the city decided to cancel the bill. Now we're, now we're going to, that's exactly right. Yeah. They forgave like $100,000 yeah. hey, of debt or something like that. That guy that was mouthing us just a moment ago, that's Shane Claiborne. He does this show every week at this time. The name of the show is From Across the Pond. We are here every week at this time promoting Red Letter Christianity. And if you haven't signed up as a Red Letter Christian, go to your computer and sign up right now. There's a place where if you log in to redletterchristians.org, you'll see our website. And there's a place on our website where you can sign in and say, I want to identify as a Red Letter Christian. And you can sign on there. That's very important because the more people that identify themselves with this movement, the more clout we have when we're dealing uh, with uh, people in power. Uh, so uh, in in the closing moments, do you have a, a farewell a greeting to these good people on the other <laughs> side of the pond? <laughs> well, when I think of our communities and community development, uh, there's a, a, a really wonderful person here in the U.S. named uh, Clarence Jordan, and he said, our communities are demonstration plots for the kingdom. And he said that we're to demonstrate what God's kingdom looks like on earth. So my invitation for all of us is to find a way, maybe even find a neighborhood or a place where we can demonstrate God's kingdom, where we can show people a little glimpse of what God's dream for the world is. So thanks again for joining us. We'll be on next week at this time, every week at this time. This is Shane Claiborne and Tony Campolo across the pond. Blessings, blessings.